The cool thing I think about digital marketing especially is that you're in charge. You're in control of what you're doing in this outlining phase. You're listening to Small Minded, the podcast that believes being small is a good thing because small steps lead to big impact, small towns have a big heart, and small businesses play a big role in our modern way of life. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and here at Small Minded, we share stories and strategies to help small towns and small businesses flourish. Here's to a life well-lived, being small-minded. Hey, everybody. It's Molly. Welcome back for another episode. Today, we are digging into marketing strategy. And I love talking about long-term planning and aligning your marketing with your business goals. And what better time to do so than right before we're getting into Q4 holiday season, because we could use a little assistance with all of the marketing that comes with that, right? So today, I want you to get out a notebook and a pen, and we are going to talk holiday marketing strategy. Whether you are a retailer or a service provider, I think you will find some gems in this episode that will help you really get clear on what you want to talk about, how to talk about it, and how to balance it in a way that feels right, not just strategically, but also energetically. And it doesn't leave you feeling burnout and spent by the time we get to Black Friday. So let's go, friends. Get your note-taking materials and come back. All right, guys, I shared the same strategy with my social students this month, but I'm calling this the ho, ho, ho holiday marketing strategy. We have three hoes in the house. (laughs) We're breaking it down to harness your energy and owning your strengths. So that's the first ho. The second ho is hoarding content and organizing it. And the third ho is making humanized marketing and outlining your plans. So ho, 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 here we go. First up, what I want you to do before you even get a pen and a paper to write out a calendar is to first lean into your energy. That was a super long pause. I think it made you listen in. Um, So I want you to right now, either you have already done one of these or you're going to go online and you're going to pursue one of the following assessments to help you understand who you are a little bit more, or why you do the things that you do. In recent episodes with guests, and even my own personal journey in the last couple of years, I'm continually drawn to this concept of how much personal development is really intertwined with business ownership. Because we can think all day long that owning and operating a quote-unquote successful business is hitting certain margins or making a certain revenue or having this right system, or nailing our processes. But what I've learned over the years is that it's so much more exploring who you are as a person and identifying what it is you want that feels right to you, your family, and your team, and the people who depend on you. And so as we get further and further onto this entrepreneurial business ownership journey, Knowing how we energetically work the best is crucial. And so I've found these three tools that have informed me. They have different approaches and different 
um, results, if you will. But in each of these three tools, I have results that overlap. And so it makes me know that they're pretty much on the right frame of mind. So first up is the Enneagram. I learned about the Enneagram probably back in like 2017 or 2018. Um, Specifically, I remember driving back from Iowa City, Iowa, and listening to an entire podcast by, um, at the time, um, Dave and Rachel Hollis, and they were talking about Enneagram. And I had no idea what this was. So when I went home, I was kind of doing a little bit more research. I took an Enneagram assessment. And then as part of like the laws of the universe, once I started like this understanding of it, I started seeing Enneagram pop up everywhere, especially in some of my business friend circles. We were talking about what Enneagram we got as a result and how that's been showing up in our lives. So in a real quick overview, you can go online and you can take an Enneagram assessment. I've used the one at truity.com, T-R-U-I-T-Y. And Truity will give you a whole bunch of questions. And this one is a free assessment. You can also do a paid assessment to get more in-depth results, but you're going to get similar formats in either. Um, You're going to get a series of questions and you have to answer with your gut instinct. How much do you agree with this statement? And as your answers kind of pack up or compound, at the end, you get an Enneagram result and it's one of nine numbers. And each of the nine numbers is associated to or attributed to certain personality traits and inclinations. So me, I'm an Enneagram 3. A lot of my business owner friends are also Enneagram 3s. And this is defined as the achiever. So the Enneagram is, the Enneagram 3, excuse me, as an achiever, it's like somebody who like is constantly pursuing more. Um, as their best self, they show up as somebody who can accomplish anything, who's motivating, who seems to like never have depleted energy. But as their worst self, they're never satisfied, uh, kind of like um, Alexander Hamilton. So there are a host of other Enneagram types and they have very different personality traits. So like an Enneagram 3 hates talking about feelings and they'd rather push through and not have to dig into that. But there are other Enneagram types who love talking about energy. There are certain Enneagram types who are perfectionists and others who are wild adventurers. So knowing this about yourself can help you see how you show up as your best and also as some of those like maybe self-sabotaging or limiting features of your personality that you've maybe been ashamed of or um, have been holding you back and understanding how to really harness those so you can use them for your strengths. So if that sounds interesting to you, again, that's the Enneagram, and I would use truity.com to take that free assessment to figure out a little bit more about what your Enneagram says about you. The second kind of assessment you can take, and you know I've been talking about this a ton, it's made its way into every interview, I think for like the five last interviews or episodes, but it's the human design. And I use Jovian Archive, and when you get to the homepage at Jovian Archive, you can go to get your chart. And when you enter this, you enter your like name, your date of birth, your minute of birth, your location of birth, and then you get a human design chart. And this chart takes into account like what were the energetics happening at the date, time, and place when you took your first breath as a newborn. And through that, you are given a human design type a human design um, profile number. You get this whole picture of like colors and shapes and numbers and it 
like seriously is spot on for me and why I am the way that I am. But again, human design can help me learn so much more about my energy levels. And for me as a, like a human design manifester, my job is to inform. It's to spread awareness. It's to help people get the ball started or get the ball rolling. It's to get things started. It's to inspire and motivate. But I'm also someone who has to take breaks, which I am not good at. But when I don't take breaks, I tend to push too hard. And like knowing some of these things about me as like just the way that I am, I don't know. It just gives me this sense of like, oh, it's not that bad. That's just how I'm made. And similar to the Enneagram, you get like how you show up as your best self in your human design chart and also those ways where you might be showing up as your shadow self that like not great, the things that you're not quite as proud of, but it's still part of who you are. So human design can be a great way to learn about yourself and harness your energy in this first ho step. Uh, The third way, and this is my most recent finding, this is called the sacred money archetype assessment. And this is specifically due like associated with finances. I learned about this through Denise Duffield Thomas, who is someone I follow online, but she is a money mindset coach. And this sacred money archetype assessment is free. Similar to the Enneagram, you get a series of questions that you have to measure um, how strongly you agree or disagree with. And then in the end, you get an assessment of what kind of money archetype you have. And there are various different archetypes from a ruler, which is what I am. It's like the empire builder, the business builder. And I'm like, damn, it really got me. Um, But there's also like some crossover for me because I also had a high score in someone called the alchemist who likes to change things up and make a whole bunch of new stuff and like at the drop of a hat. I also got the nurturer, which means that I like to take care of people and I like to spend my money in ways that help other people. But sometimes like the shadow self again comes up in the sacred money archetype because it shows ways that you might be self-sabotaging and nurturers and caregivers can do that to themselves. So. Anyway, pick one of those three, Enneagram, Human Design, or Sacred Money Archetype. Again, it might seem like, how does this have to do with business? But I really feel like this step of knowing yourself, harnessing your energy, especially in what I feel is going on for a lot of women in business right now in September 2022, is that we're all feeling stretched super thin. So knowing what your energy levels are like and where your energy is best spent, I feel like is a foundational step to going forward, especially as we enter Q4. So when you harness your energy, I want you to really say, okay, what are some takeaways? What are some really great um, natural talents that this shows me that I have? And maybe what are some of those shadow type things that are showing me ways that I might be not showing up as my best. And I can plan for that as I go forward into this very busy season. And as we go into the additional steps in this holiday marketing method, harnessing your energy is something you're going to come back to again and again and again. And I would highly recommend going to the show notes. We can link to these three assessments. And then when you go to Instagram next time, I would go and find some of these accounts. There's a ton of Enneagram accounts, a ton of human design accounts. Go follow Denise DT for more sacred money archetype information, but it's so much fun to see like the ways that this shows up in your life. And maybe it's just me, but I'm way into that. So harness your energy is step one, the first hoe. All right, step two, owning your strengths. So we looked at harnessing our energy and this allowed us to see those areas in our life and in our business where we're just naturally 
inclined, where we're just naturally strong, where we're just made to do this or that. And some other ways you can lean into your strengths are, what do people always tell you that you're really good at? Or what are those questions that people are constantly coming to you for? I know like some of my family members and friends who are in the medical field, like if I have a sick kid, I'll text them and I'm constantly going to them for medical advice. Whereas somebody who is starting a new business, they're more likely to shoot me a quick text and be like, hey, I'm having this problem with Facebook today. Is it happening to you? And so you might have some instances of that in your own life as a business owner or otherwise, but what are those things that people keep coming back to you again and again for? What are those areas where you are naturally gifted or you are natural or maybe not naturally, but you're skilled at through training or education too? And those are some indications of places that maybe you could lean in a little bit more and maybe you could create an offer or a business or just incorporate it into your holiday marketing this season. I also want you to think about your day and your week and what are those parts of the day that make you feel like you're just lost in the good flow of your work? We all know that there's parts of our work day where we're like, I fucking hate this. <laughs> For me, it's like getting into my inbox and I'm like, even though I know that there are people on the other side of this inbox, I am just so much better at sending voice memos and typing is, I'm like fine at it, but it just takes me so long to like go back and edit. Like, especially if it's like an in-depth email, I'll spend an hour on it. And I'm like, that is definitely not somewhere where I'm lost in the flow. But recording these podcasts, I could do it all day long. And at the end of it, I feel more energized instead of depleted or going on site to a client workplace and getting video content. That also is like so much fun for me. And I'm sure you can identify parts of your own business or your own work day or work week where you have a similar feeling. So this process of owning your strengths isn't just like, what are those like natural things, but also what are those things that are part of my routine that I know are so much fun and those parts where I know it's such a drain and really getting clear on what those are. So you know, again, where to spend your energy because you have a finite amount of it and a finite amount of time this fall. And so we want to make sure we're spending our time and energy in the ways that it's going to serve us the best. And what if, now this might be something that comes to your head. You're like, Molly, I can't choose to just do all the fun things in my business. Oh God, totally. I know. But when there's the things that are less fun or the draining tasks, those indicate places where A, you could outsource. So get a virtual assistant or hire a contractor who can do those things faster, better, more efficiently than you. Or B, could we just get rid of them? Are they necessary to what you have to do in your role or in your job? Is it something that like if you got rid of it, nobody would care anyway? And maybe even as part C, so we did like outsourcing, we did getting rid of it. Is there a way you can like just put it in your schedule, give yourself a limited amount of time to do it, and then that's got to be good enough? Because for some of us, those tasks that might be like killing us are the ones where we're being like, overly critical or overthinking, and maybe we just have too much time to dwell on it. So giving yourself a limited amount of time in those tasks that you don't like might be a key part for you. And then in this owning your strengths, so the last part of owning your strengths, this first hoe, um, what parts of the marketing process make you excited and confident? Because I know that in the marketing for myself and my clients, like there are places where it's a real, again, drain to film a reel or a TikTok, but they light up at the option to sit down across the table from me and record a podcast. So 
just because something is quote unquote cool or trending doesn't mean that that's something you have to do. It would give you a leg up, sure. But I want you to lean into marketing that feels right to you and your clients. And I want you to get clear. Again, those are areas that indicate strengths. So what parts of the marketing process make you excited, feel lit up, and confident that you're working in your zone of genius? And what are the ones that aren't? So the first hoe of your holiday marketing strategy, harnessing your energy and owning your strengths. All right, let's get into hoe two. (laughs) The puns abound here. All right. Let's get into this next phase, which is not spending too much time and energy in the content creation process. Because as you know, we could spend infinite amounts of time on Canva or in getting just the right look for the photos that we're taking. But we don't have to start from scratch, guys. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. So this second phase of the ho-ho-ho marketing strategy is hoarding content and organizing it. All right? so. In this hoarding content phase, what I want you to do is look at posts, images, content that you've used in the past year or maybe in this same season back in 2021 or 2020 and what worked really well. Maybe you have similar services. Maybe this is when you have your signature course if you're an online business owner or maybe you have a similar product if you're a retailer. And looking back at what worked in the past is a great way to know or make an educated guess anyway, at what's going to hit with your market this year. So what I would do is go back to your social media or your blog or podcast results from last year. Look back at the data and the analytics and say, what were those things that really went well? And then think critically, are there themes? Are there trends? Are there like parts of this content that are similar and can inform me on why these might have surged ahead of other content that I shared with my audience. So for example, when I did this with my social members, what we did was we looked back at Facebook posts from last September, October, November. And as I was looking through that for my Molly Knuth media page, what I came to find, no surprise, was that the posts that included photos of me or of my family, those were the ones that really like came to the top, right? If we're talking about like cream rising to the top, those were the ones. Because on social media, people want to see people. People want to do business with people. And when they see a picture of a person, they are A, curious. And so they want to look a little closer and see if they know this person. And B, it's like that common ground. And it's what unites people back to the, oh yeah, this is why I'm on social in the first place, to see other people. And a lot of times those personal photos and videos, they weren't even the ones that were like my polished, super awesome headshots, even though I love those pictures. They were the ones that were candid. Honestly, the best post on Facebook for me last year um, in quarter four was a picture of me like in throes of getting ready for Christmas. And I took a picture of my hair that day, which was messy and curly and dirty. And I had it like covering my face. And I said, this is what it feels like to be a mom and a business owner on December 13th or whatever day it was. But it was one of those like raw, authentic, honest kind of posts that people are craving. And I think even more so today than they were at this time last year, people want that like not airbrushed, not perfect, just how is it really, really, you know? So anyway, I can digress. But 
looking back at the content that worked really well last year can inform you on strategies or types of content to create for this year. So what am I doing? Right now, I'm pulling back the layers and I'm sharing authentic stories with my audience. I'm not using super polished pictures. I do love to use those, but sometimes I'm sharing like some of the like candid pictures too, especially in Instagram and Facebook stories is how I'm showing up with that. Okay. And then in the hoarding content process, it's not just about what worked well last year, but looking through your camera roll and saying, what do I already have pictures and videos of right now that I can use and making sure that we're taking that into account. And then looking at, okay, what are the products and services I really want to promote right now? And are there any gaps in content where I need to create new things? So hoarding content is not necessarily creation. It's really being analytical as we look at the content we've already made in the past, the content that's already existing on our phones and on our camera rolls, and then identifying where there is going to be a need of new content as we likely have new products and services that we want to roll out in this season. But hoarding in this phase is just being really analytical about the content creation process so we don't have to create every single post or blog or podcast or email from scratch. We're really getting clear on what we already have and re- repurposing it or reusing it. Then in this second hoe, Again, we have hoard and then we have organize. Yes. So when we get organized, I want you to grab that notebook or you can even print off a calendar like a blank from Canva or from Google. That's free. And I want you to look at October, November, December. I want you to put on the calendar. How many times can you feasibly post? Okay. Or how many times a week can you feasibly send an email? Or how many times in a month can you feasibly record a podcast, write a blog, guest on a podcast? How many times can you feasibly run an ad in your local newspaper or have a show that you're going to be a pop-up vendor at? So organize your schedule, organize your calendar. And on that calendar, write down, what are my goals for the month? How many posts do I want to do per week? How many big long form pieces of content do I want to create? How many in-person events do I want to host? And I really want you to only frame out those really key, important, essential things. So writing in those event dates, writing in those launches for new products and services, and getting really clear on what are going to be your main priorities as we go into these last three months. Because I know I'm guilty of this as the next person. Sometimes I feel like I just need to post on social to post, or I need to just show up and write a blog about whatever little thing my heart desires. But if I can really keep the important things, keep the priorities the priority, it helps me then arrange the rest of my job, the rest of my social content, the rest of my marketing around that priority thing. So I'm not throwing spaghetti at a wall. I'm not feeling like I'm creating a million different posts with a million different topics and a million different focuses. Because as my friend Jade Boyd says, scattered efforts lead to scattered results while focused efforts lead to focused results. So I want to make sure that I'm focused on what is the most important. So maybe for you, it's pop-up events or a new catalog release, but keeping that the forefront and then building the social content or the other marketing collateral around that topic of focus. So in this organized phase, it's getting on the calendar, getting into the nitty gritty, documenting what are the events 
or the rollouts or the launches that are most important in each month. And then that's as far as we're taking it for right now. Then I want you to identify what do I feasibly have time for as far as content creation and posting and marketing in that month. Okay. I hope this all makes sense. I feel like I'm flying through it. All right. We have entered the last hoe of your holiday marketing. And this is where like really the energy and strategy mix. I mean, it did in the beginning when we were talking about um, finding your strengths and harnessing your energy. But when we get into more of the strategy and the tactics that can sometimes come along with our marketing planning and implementation, we can get really caught up like we just talked about in the last step. Uh, How many posts should I make? A lot of times my most commonly asked questions are like, how do I know what time to post? Or how do I know what format is the best to use? What is the best way to write a caption? How many hashtags should I use? These are all important questions, you guys. But those questions, while they are tactical and important, they aren't focused on the end user. They're not focused on the people who you are hoping to help and support and transform through your products and your services. So the final H of the ho-ho-ho strategy is humanize. We have to humanize our marketing. And I put this here strategically between organize and outline because when we are in this organizing and outlining phase, it's really easy to focus on those tactics. It's really easy to get wrapped up in the details. But I want you to pause between the organizing on the calendar of the important priorities and the actual outlining of the posts themselves. You have to take a beat and think about the humans who are being impacted by what you're doing. And so I want you to like at this stage reflect and in your notebook, maybe even or the piece of paper where you're taking these little um, takeaways where you're noting them. Talk about like what are some stories or some anecdotes you have from fall in years past or holidays in years past. And this can be business related or just personal. I know that a client I worked with last year through the holidays, we shared stories of how she remembers going to her grandma's house and they made hot chocolate and these certain like Norwegian cookies. And I hope I'm remembering that right. But anyway, I just remember sharing some of those stories with her audience and she and her sister would take like a Christmas picture every year. And so she did a whole bunch of like throwback pictures. And then her and her sister did like a reshoot in their thirties of these same poses, but as obviously like older women or not older women, I didn't say that right, but as like more mature women, um, sorry, I didn't mean that. But it was so funny to pair the original photo with like the updated and revised 2.0 version and her audience loved it. And that's something that she could share and repurpose again this year. But we've all got stories like that, right? We all have a specific Christmas at a relative's or we all have like the school Christmas pageant that we like something funny happened. Or we have those clients who showed up on December 24th at 3 p.m seeking out a specific customized holiday gift for their beloved. And you're like, ah, can I make this happen? But you did, you pulled it out. And so that's a story to share. And even with these more personal stories, like you can still find an angle or a lesson that applies to who you are today and the business owner that you are today. So even that client who was talking about like how she visited her grandma and taking these silly pictures with her sister, Like that directly tied into some of the products that she carried in her boutique because they had so much of her as a person coming through in the words that were on these flower sack towels 
or in the way that she would name certain product. So there's still, even in these highly personal, like way back in childhood stories, there's still ways that that impacts who we are today. And so sharing those stories and then also bringing it to a point of like how this affected me as the business owner you see in front of you, that is a way to humanize your marketing. And that is something that your audience will love and remember. So when we're doing this organizing phase of content, before we go into actually putting ideas and prompts for posts on a calendar, I want you to take a minute and humanize. What are the stories you have about this time of year? What are the takeaways you have that have influenced who you are as a person and a business owner today? And then think about what are the ways that you feel really good interacting with others on social? I know there are a lot of people out there and I'm sometimes the same where it's like, oh my gosh, I just want to use social for business and then I don't want to be on it the rest of the day, which is fine, but also that's where relationships are formed. And I do feel like there's a different level of interaction and effectiveness in marketing when you aren't just showing up to like be your business and that's it, but you're also showing up to send DMs to other business owners or comment thoughtfully on the pages of other businesses in your community or suggesting advice when people are asking questions. And that is a really important part of today's modern marketing methods because even though it seems like we're just interacting with screens, even though there are so many tactics and strategies to apply, what comes down to it and the foundation of all this marketing is just knowing how to talk to people and how to make them feel seen and how to really show them that through your products and your services that you provide, they can live a better life. And if you only show up with the products and the services and you forget that there are people on the other side of the screen, it makes it so much harder to be effective in your digital marketing. So take a moment to humanize, think about the stories that you can share, and then also think about the ways that you can interact and use social media or email marketing or text marketing to go deeper than just surface level sales. How can you show up as a human online in this very busy season? All right, now we've entered the very last of these six phases, the ho, 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 now we're in the O. This is where we are outlining. So we're gonna dig back into that calendar you started a little bit ago where you outlined your priorities and you committed to a certain number of posts per week or emails per month. And now we're gonna actually put pen to paper and put topics on the calendar. So in phase one, where we're talking about harnessing our energy, owning our strengths, knowing what we're good at, what we're naturally going to be feeling like we can do, we know what the shadow self is telling us and where we're going to feel like we can't do things or we're going to fall apart. So lean into your strengths here as we're getting to this outline phase. In that second hoe where we talked about hoarding content and organizing it, as you're outlining and writing in specific post topics, Go back to those posts that were successful. You can either copy and paste them directly into this calendar for quarter four of 2022, or you can maybe take a post that had a caption that was super popular in 2021, pair it with an updated photo or vice versa. You can take a, like a post that was really popular last year that was a static image and turn it into a carousel, or you can turn it into a reel, or you can turn it into a link to your website or an ask to join your email list. But really, when you're outlining, start with the content you already have 
And then you can fill the gaps with new content you need to create, whether that's a new video you need to film or a podcast you need to record or a new set of graphics you need to create on Canva. But this outlining phase is getting yourself super clear on what is going to be said when and committing to a certain number of posts per week and really like making an appointment with yourself to show up and do the work. Because all day long, we can create great plans, but if we don't hold ourselves accountable to the follow through, we're not gonna get where we wanna go. And the cool thing I think about digital marketing especially is that you're in charge. You're in control of what you're doing in this outlining phase. So if you want to like really promote a new product or service, if you're in the launch phase, you have the power to push that gas pedal and you can do a little bit more around those time periods. Now, I don't really advise like being in launch phase week after week after week, month after month after month. What I recommend though, is if you can really give it your all for like a seven or a 10 day stretch, take a few days off and then go hard again for a few days. If you're like having several important events or several important new product rollouts in this season, like you can definitely put the pedal to the metal and you can definitely increase the frequency of your posting. But then you also have the power to lean back and take some breaks in there. Just because you take a day or three off of posting doesn't mean that your entire social media presence is going to fall apart. So just be intentional and be honoring of that energy that you have and really work with your strengths. And if you need support, if social media is not your thing, or if you just love to take the pictures and the video, but you hate writing the captions, there are always people out there who can support you. So you might know somebody off the top of your head who can help you with these things. There are lots of professionals online, myself and my team included, that could help you with certain aspects of this. Um, And then that way, it might cost you a little bit of money, but it also frees up so much of your time so you can lean into, again, these things that you're naturally good at, these things that naturally light you up, and you're spending less time on the things that drain you. Because as we go into the holiday season, not only is it important for us as business owners, with the holiday schedule and the shopping season and quarter four, making the most of the end of the year. But also our social calendars are just so full with all the holidays that are in there and just a lot of fun family and friend time too. So I want you to be very realistic with yourself as you go through this ho, ho, ho holiday marketing strategy and give yourself the honor and the grace of not just doing what the person down the road is doing, not just posting every day because somebody told you that or because Molly did that last year. This year is all about really working with our strengths, doing what feels right and aligned to us and our businesses, showing up, but not like killing ourselves in the process, right? So I hope that you had some good takeaways from my holiday marketing strategy this year. Again, remember the three hoes of the holidays. (laughs) There's some hoes in this house, but we are talking about harnessing our energy, owning our strengths, hoarding our content we already have, organizing that content on a calendar, keeping the things that are the priority, the priority. And then we are going into humanized marketing strategies and finally outlining the actual posts and topics that we're going to do. If you can go through this strategy in late September, or early October, you're setting yourself up so well for the next three months of the year because you have that awareness and the intention going into this busy season. All right, let me know your thoughts. If you have questions, I'm always available. 
over at Molly Knuth underscore MKM on Instagram and on Facebook, or you can reach out to us at Molly Knuth Media on the social platforms. I'm also available at hello at mollyknuthmedia.com. And I love hearing your feedback and takeaways on these episodes. It really is one of the highlights, the things in my week that bring me joy and energy is recording this podcast for you guys and giving you the skills and the tips and the strategies that you can just like take in, absorb, and implement in your own businesses. So thank you so much for being here. I hope to hear from you soon, and I'll be back next week with even more. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Small Minded Podcast, the place on the internet where we celebrate small towns, small businesses, and the people who love them. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be forever grateful to have a review of your experience over on iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you tuned in today. And as always, we welcome you sharing this podcast with your friends and family on social. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Small Minded Podcast or at mollyknuthmedia.com slash podcast. Please go out, make today a good one. Take a small step towards a bigger impact. Here's to a life well lived being small minded. <laughs>